him in the mighty, the beautiful and wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank the Lord for the privilege of gathering as his church today, and it is our prayer that he will be magnified and glorified in and through our time together. Before we get started, before you take your seats, can we just thank the Lord for all that he is and for all that he does for us? I want you to declare from your own mouth today how good and how faithful he is. Is there a witness in the house today to his faithfulness? Is there someone that needs to give him glory? If that's you, just praise the Lord as loud as you can. Don't be shy this morning. He is worthy of all our praises. Give him everything this morning. If you don't know what to say, just shout out the name of Jesus. We worship you, Lord Jesus. Amen. What a wonderful God we serve. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, we gather again as your church today to bring you the praise, the honor, and the glory you deserve. As we embark on a journey this morning to draw inspiration and direction from your word, we ask that you would lead us into all truth. Your truth, Lord, so that we would think as Christians should think, as we, that we would talk as Christians should talk, and Lord, that we would have abounding joy so that we can truly impact the world around us. Lord, the world has many ideas on how we should find joy in this life, but we ask today that you would clearly identify through your word what it means to live with fullness of joy that is rooted in you and only you. We ask this in your precious name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may take your seats this morning. So good to be in the house of the Lord. Are you glad to be here today? Amen. Amen. Church, today we are going to go in a similar direction to what we did last week. Because I want to speak to you today about exiting despair and entering joy. Last week we spoke about exiting stress and entering hope. A message that gave us encouragement and guidance on how to be Christians that soar in the storms of life. And today I want to speak to you about being a Christian that has fullness of joy. I think it is safe to say that everyone listening to my voice this morning wants to live with more joy in their life, right? Every mom, every dad, every adult and child wants to live with joy. They want to go to bed with joy in their hearts and wake up with a joyful expectation of what the day may bring. You see, there is this desire to live with joy, but often because of the circumstances of life and the, the difficult seasons that we go through, there seems to be more despair and misery than there is joy. And that's why I thought it's important that we speak today about exiting despair and entering joy. Church, I want to ask you a question this morning. It's a trivial question. Have you ever lost your car keys before? You go through your house and try and find them, right? You go through every cupboard. You go through every drawer. You look in the safe. You look in your wife's handbag, which, which could take a half an hour on its own. But you can't find it anywhere. And finally, after looking sometimes for hours, you go to the place where you most likely would have left it, the car, and it's there. Frustrating, right? But you see, you were looking in the wrong place. And church, the reason why a lot of people today don't have joy is because they are looking for joy in the wrong places. 
And by the way, joy is not a nicety in the Christian life. It is an absolute necessity. Our joy should be contagious because the Christian without joy is a contradiction in terms. But having said that, I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt that many Christians, maybe some even sitting here today and watching online, who have lost their joy. And you know why joy is so important? Well, firstly, it is important in winning the lost to Jesus Christ. Because our best advertisement is the joy of the Lord. You know, we know from the Bible that King David loved God with all of his heart, but there were times where he lost his joy. And he prayed this in Psalm chapter 51. He said to me, restore, he said to the Lord, restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. He hadn't lost his salvation, he had lost his joy. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And then listen to this in the next verse, he says, Then I will teach transgressors your ways, so that sinners will turn back to you. If you're not a joyful Christian, you're not an effective soul winner. Because if you're going around with one, with the Bible under one arm, and a tombstone under the other, people are going to say, listen, I don't want to be like those Christians. Right? I've got enough problems of my own, thanks, but no thanks. It's essential in winning the lost. And secondly, church, the joy of the Lord is important because it gives us strength to bear life's burdens. How are you going to live a thriving Christian life? Well, you need strength, right? And where are you going to get that strength from? The joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord Jesus will energize you and give you the strength that you need. Another reason joy is so important is because of the heartaches and trials of life. You have heartaches, I have heartaches. We have difficulties and obstacles. And as I said last week, we're probably going through one of the most difficult seasons of our lives. And how else are we to become overcomers and come through these seasons but to hope in the Lord and to enter His joy? You see, the joy of the Lord is the way that we can become overcomers. Joy is the lubricant of life. And the joy of the Lord will take the weariness out of work and remove the burdens from the heart. So if that's the case, let's talk about how to have fullness of joy. And I want you to look with me at John chapter 15 verse 11. If you've got your Bibles, go to John chapter 15 verse 11. Jesus Christ is speaking and the setting is this. He is facing dark Gethsemane and bloody Calvary. And this is what he said. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Jesus said, I'm telling you how to have fullness of joy. And what's important to note from the get-go church is that it's his joy. It's the joy of Jesus. And there are a few things that I want to show you about his joy. If you take your notes this morning, number one, it is abounding joy. Write that down. The joy of Jesus is abounding joy. He says that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. In the book of Hebrews chapter 1, 
The Bible says of the Lord Jesus that God the Father has anointed him with the oil of joy. Other translations say the oil of gladness. Verse 9 says, You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. The word joy there is the Greek word agaliasis, and it means great joy, extreme delight, or transcendent gladness. That's the kind of joy that Jesus has. It's abounding, it's extreme, it's not half-hearted. And church, I don't know what your concept of Jesus Christ is, but if you don't see Jesus as joyful, you haven't seen Jesus. Jesus had a life of abounding joy. And one of the ways that we know this is true is that the little children loved him. They wanted to come and, and crowd around him and sit on his lap. Those grumpy old disciples said, get the children away. But Jesus said, no, let them come to me. Speaking of this joy, Jesus said in John chapter 17, verse 13, he was praying to the Father. He said, now I am coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so they would be filled with my joy. And then the famous verse in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, that says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Church, do you know what the shortest verse in the Bible is? I'm going to give you another one. It is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16, where it says, Rejoice always. Some people will say it is Jesus wept, but if you look in the Greek language, it is First Thessalonians chapter 5. We can debate that later. <laughs> yeah. It says rejoice always. And it may be the shortest verse, but it speaks of the longest time. Because when should you rejoice and for how long? Always, right? Now, importantly, when I'm talking about joy, we need to learn the difference between joy and happiness. The difference between joy that gives you meaning to life and happiness that may only put a smile on your face. So what is this different difference? What is the difference between this joy, this abounding joy and happiness? Now church, if you're happy, I'm glad. Right? What's that old song, the children's song that says, if you're happy and you know it, stamp your feet, right? Yeah, and clap your hands. That too, yeah. Obviously, didn't sing it that much, right? <laughs> if you're happy, that's good. Church, you can stamp your feet. But most of the time, you ha your happiness depends upon what happens. I guess that's why, that's why they call it happiness, right? But you see, church, if that's what you're waiting for and that's what you depend upon, then I can tell you very clearly and very plainly that you are going to be a prisoner of circumstance. Because one thing that you and I know for sure is that circumstances change and that sometimes they're going to get really, really bad. Happiness depends upon what happens. Joy depends upon the Lord. Happiness is like a cosmetic that makes you look good on the outside, but joy goes beyond the outward person to the inward character. Happiness can help you meet surface needs, and we all need those, and and God knows that we need them. But joy will help you to meet your deepest need. Happiness is like a thermometer. It registers conditions. Joy is like a thermostat. 
it controls conditions. Joy is inward, happiness is outward. Happiness evaporates in times of despair. When trouble comes, happiness goes, but joy will be intensified. And when happiness goes, that's when you really need joy. And church, I want to be clear this morning. Joy is not there to remove the pain, but to help you to bear the pain. Joy is not the subtraction of problems from your life. Joy is the addition of power to meet those problems. And if you're going through pain and you have problems right now, that's all the more reason that you need the joy of the Lord. So number one, the joy of the Lord is abounding joy. And number two, it is abiding joy. I want you to look at verse 11 again. It says, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you. You see, this is not joy that comes and goes. It is joy in the good times, the bad times, the sunny days, the rainy days, or the rainy days. It's joy in a time of fortune and in a time of loss. And you may be sitting there thinking, well, pastor, the reason that you say that is because you're not going through the problems that I'm going through right now. You don't know the heartaches. You don't know the tears. You don't know the fears. You don't know the sickness and the pain. You don't know what I've gone through in my life. Pastor, you don't know the finances that I'm, I'm facing right now. If you did, you wouldn't say that. Well, church, I'm just quoting the words of Jesus. And what was Jesus' situation at that time? He was facing dark Gethsemane and bloody Calvary. He was facing his own death, and yet he had joy. Yes, he had tears. Yes, he had pain. Yes, he had agony. But he still had that joy in his heart. And that's the joy that he wants to give us so that our joy will be full. Now, I want to tell you about this abiding joy, and I want to give you some verses. Firstly, this abiding joy is grounded in times of grief. Look at what John chapter 16, verse 20 says. It says, I tell you the truth. You will weep and mourn over what is going to happen to me, but the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will suddenly turn to wonderful joy. Do you have grief this morning? God will suddenly turn your grief into joy. That's a promise that you can hold on to. Secondly, this abiding joy is triumphant in tribulation. Are you going through times of tribulation? Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. You're not going to escape without tribulation, but listen to what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 4. He says, great is my boldness of speech toward you. Great is my boasting on your behalf. I am filled with comfort. I am exceedingly joyful in all our tribulation. And remember, Paul and Silas in that prison at midnight were singing praises to the Lord. And you cannot sing praises to the Lord triumphantly unless you have joy in your heart. And I'll give you something else. This joy is lasting in losses. Church, have you lost something? Have things gone upside down for you? 
things that you need, things that you want, and they be taken away from you. That happened to the Hebrews. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 34, it says, For you had compassion on me in my chains, and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better and enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. And I know this is a hard concept to grasp, but if you came home from church today and everything was gone, your house was burned down, or burglars came and, and stole everything, and now you don't have anything. In this case, should you lose your joy? I know that's a tough question. But the answer is no. Absolutely not. Because if your goods go and your joy goes with them, you were getting your joy in the wrong place. Your joy was in your circumstances and what you own rather than in who Jesus is. Now you may say, Pastor, that's fine. You've told me all these things, but you haven't told me how to have it. How can I have this joy that you're speaking of? Well, I'm glad you asked. Look again at verse 11. It says, These things have I spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. These things I have spoken to you. And I guess in that case, it only makes sense to see what Jesus has just spoken. If you go back and see what he spoke, there you will find a recipe for joy. And I don't want you to miss the rest of the message. If your mind has been wandering a little, tighten the focus now because we're going to talk about how to have fullness of joy. Church, in the very same chapter, Jesus speaks of himself as a vine and he speaks of us as branches and tells us that the branch is to abide in the vine. And what Jesus is saying is that when the branch abides in the vine, it's a fact that there will be joy. Okay, Pastor, that sounds good, but abide is a word I don't use a whole lot. It sounds like kind of a religious word. Could you tell me in plain English what it means to abide in Jesus and as a result have this abiding joy? Well, first of all, church, to abide means to surrender. In John chapter 15, verse 4, Jesus says, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Now, just think about this for a moment. Just imagine a vine, that's the Lord Jesus, and think of a branch, that's you. Now, church, don't miss this point. A branch exists for one reason, the vine. Not two reasons, not one and a half reasons. One reason, it exists for the vine. It makes a full surrender to the vine. And you may say, listen, I've got a family, I've got a job, I've got all these things that I need to take care of. How can I just have one issue? Church, you must totally and completely abide in the vine and if you don't do that, you are not going to have fullness of joy. And how do you abide? First of all, you make a full surrender to the vine. It must be a life of surrender. And to add to that, not only surrender, but dependence. 
Church, the joy of Jesus is given when you depend upon the Lord. Jesus says at the end of verse 5, Apart from me, you can do nothing. And we need to look at it like this. What can the branch do without the vine? Nothing. Can it survive apart from the vine? No, it cannot. And here's an important principle to remember when you and I go through life. When you think you're something, then God is not everything. And God cannot be everything until you become nothing. But you don't have to worry because God specializes in making something out of nothing. That's why it's so important for us to abide in the vine. It's total surrender. It's dependence. And here's the third thing. It is rest. In verse 9, Jesus says, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Church, just in case you didn't know this, I need to tell you this morning that Jesus loves you. He loves you the same way that the Father loved him. And that's not an empty promise. That's as real as the sound of my voice. That's as real as the person sitting next to you. Jesus loves you. But you must abide in his love. You see, if you let him love you, that will give you rest. I mean, if you really see yourself as the object of his love, you say, he loves me, and there is nothing that will remove you from resting in that truth. Just imagine for a moment that a, a human being could have a conversa conversation with a branch that is abiding in the vine. And the branch would say, you know, you human beings think you're so intelligent, but you always seem frustrated. You're always rushing around, uh, knocking things over, no rest, no peace. And the man says to the branch, well, you seem to have a lot of peace. How do you do it? The branch says, I have reduced all my concerns to one, and that is to abide in the vine. And once I do that, worry has to go. When it's summertime and I need a drink of water, I don't worry about where it comes from. That's the vine's business. I abide in the vine, and the vine puts its roots down into the ground and brings up that moisture for my withering leaves. And then when it's springtime and I need buds, I don't worry about where those buds are going to come from. I just abide in the vine. And when the time of harvest comes, I don't worry about the fruit and how big and how sweet the fruit's going to be. That's none of my business. I don't produce the fruit. You see, the Bible tells us in the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verse 22, that one of the fruits of the Spirit is joy. It is a fruit of the Spirit. In other words, you're not going to create that joy. You can't even in your best efforts go out today and say, I'm going to have joy even if it kills me. You can't do that. The branch says, sir, I just abide in the vine and the fruit is there. It's not mine. I don't produce the fruit. I simply bear the fruit. So it's surrender, it's dependence, rest. And here's number four obedience in John chapter 15 verse 10 Jesus says if you keep my commandments you will abide in my love just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love 
if you recall, we, we spoke about obedience a couple of weeks back. And how does that old song go? Trust and obey, for there is no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. And church, if I would ask you today, how many of you love Jesus? I suppose we would all lift our hands, right? But you see, Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. In John chapter 14, he said, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And watch this, I will love him and manifest myself to him. How's God going to manifest himself to you? As you obey the Lord, church, he will manifest himself to you. And the manifestation of his presence in your heart is joy unspeakable. Our responsibility is to surrender, to depend in him, to rest in his love, and to obey. And let me conclude with this. Church, to be a joyful Christian today doesn't mean that you're going to go through life without problems, without issues or pain. But the joy we have in the Lord transcends the natural and catapults us into the supernatural. Jesus said, these things I have spoken to you. He spoke about the vine and the branches. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. And church, I know we're all facing problems. I know you have heartaches. I know that some of you are even questioning your faith right now because life just doesn't seem to make sense anymore. You just can't seem to get a hold of the, the purpose of life. And that's why it's so important for all of us to understand that our joy is not in what we can hold, but in whom we behold. Amen? Jesus said, don't rejoice because the demons are subject to you. Rejoice that your name is written in heaven. And I want to ask you today, is your name written in heaven? Because all of what I said will do you absolutely no good unless your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Now you can have your name written in heaven and still go to heaven second class without joy. But I would say to you today, exit despair and enter joy. Because whatever you face on this earth, you are heaven bound. No matter what you have to go through, you need to recognize today that you are just passing through. And if you truly believe that church, then you should have this fullness of joy bubbling in your heart right now. That you're rejoicing that your name is written in heaven. Church, without genuine joy, your life is not going to make much sense. Because if you're only happy when life is going well, let me tell you, there will come times where you want to pack it in and say, listen, I'm done. Because life will throw you some curveballs that will make you question everything in life. True joy is found in Jesus in the fact that He has saved you, in the fact that He loves you, in the fact that He will never leave you nor forsake you, and in the fact that you are heaven-bound. The alternative is to allow the devil to take the joy out of life by making you desperate about the things that you can hold on to. But Jesus says, hold on to me. Abide in me and you will have fullness of joy.
Is there someone here this morning that needs that type of joy? I think we all do. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your life-changing word this morning. And we ask that we would not leave it the same today. Lord, grant us the grace and the guidance to surrender all that we are to you, to depend fully on your providence, to obey your commands over our lives, and to rest peacefully in your love. Let us not be comfortable to live in despair and pockets of happiness when in you there is fullness of joy. Lord, help us to realize that holding on to possessions will only bring temporary happiness. But holding on to you and abiding in you will bring eternal joy. We are nothing without you, Lord, so we commit ourselves to abide in you and we receive all the abundance of life that the vine alone can provide for us. We pray this in, in Jesus' wonderful name. Everybody said. And church, with your head still bowed and your eyes still closed, if you're sitting here today or you're watching online, or perhaps you're in one of our other campuses, and you're saying, I don't think my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. But the message has been challenging you today. It has been convicting you. And you're saying, today is the day when I want to give my heart to Jesus Christ. Today is the day when I want to turn my life around and commit my life completely and fully to Him. If that is you, would you just shoot your hand up right now? Across our campuses, if you're at home, you can stand, you can just raise your hand. If that is you, I want you to pray this prayer after me. Dear Father in heaven, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I acknowledge to you that I am a sinner. I believe that your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, shed his precious blood on the cross of Calvary and died for my sins. And now I am willing to turn from my sin. At this very moment, I confess Jesus as my Lord. And with my whole heart, I believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. I accept Jesus Christ as my own personal Savior. And according to His Word, right now I am saved. And from today, I declare that my life belongs to You. I am now Your child. I am privileged to call you Father. I open my heart to receive your love, my heart, and all that you have for me. I receive the Holy Spirit of God to lead and to teach me all the days of my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Church, can we just give God all the glory for his word this morning?